0: We are uh, truly a blessed body here at Generations Church by the uh, people that attend our church because this building is just a building, the churches we know are the people that make it. I've been blessed to be in this church since about 1998 when we were were, uh, downtown off the square. I was also able to help in the uh, construction of the church. And in that time of, of working here, I've been associated Brother Jeff Ferris, he is a man that I, I hold in high regard. I kind of look at him as a, a mentor. He's a successful businessman, successful husband, father, grandparent, but he also is a wonderful Christian man. We're lucky that him and his wife are are part of this family. We're blessed. And Brother Jeff's going to bring the message today. So Brother Jeff, we give it to you.
1: All right. Good morning again. Happy Father's Day. Uh, thank you for the kind words, JP. We're blessed to be here. And uh, I'm excited about getting to speak today. And before I start, well, let's open with a word of prayer. So, Father, I thank you for the, your word and for the power and truth that's in it. And uh, pray you would put the words in my mouth. You'd have me to speak and you'd steal the words from my mouth that are not of you. And anything that I say is of truth that it would. Take root in the hearts of those that have ears to hear and bear fruit. If I speak anything that is not of you, I pray it will fall to the ground and die. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to talk to you today about four fathers. Uh, those four fathers are your father and my father, the father of lives, the heavenly father, and then I want to talk to you as a father and talk to myself. And when I say talk. I really am not wanting to preach today. I'm going to have a conversation with you today and be real transparent and um, hope you get something out of it. I know I got a lot out of it when I prepared it. Um, So let's jump into it. Uh, My dad's name was R.L. Ferris. He didn't have a name. He just had initials, R.L. He was born February the 20th, 1926, and he died October the 7th went home to be with our Lord 1983. Save you from doing the math. He was 57. When I remember my dad, I remember him as being hardworking, caring, loving, funny. He was a real cut up, practical joker. He is very supportive, father, and encouraging. He was fearless in some ways. He was a Christian, and he was a good provider. And then, he wasn't. And we'll talk about that. This is a Ferris family. That's my dad in the middle. He had three sisters, Bert, Mary, and Aunt Pete. Her name was Martha. She was born a twin, and her twin sister died shortly after birth. My dad's uh, father's name was Robert Lee Ferris. He went by Rob, and his mother's name was Callie. That name Ferris, uh, the Ferrises came over from Ireland, Scotland area, and they settled in Virginia. And that's probably the, being in Virginia is where the Robert Lee piece came into being. Uh, my great-great-grandfather served under Robert uh, E. Lee in the Civil War. Actually, he was killed in the war. And uh, so I think that's how it's been passed down through generations, is through that uh, recognition of General Robert E. Lee. Uh, my dad, R.L., my middle name is Lee. My son, Brian Lee, his middle name, uh, my name, uh, and then I have a grandson, Gavin Lee. So they uh, moved to, in the 1880s, they moved to Galveston, and they were in the ranching business. There's some dispute about whether they were ranchers or cattle rustlers, and uh, there's there's evidence of both. But uh, I'm not sure if they left uh, Galveston in 1900 because they were cattle rustlers or because uh, of the Galveston uh, hurricane that came in in 1900. That was one of the most uh, devastating natural disasters. In fact, it was the deadliest natural disaster ever to strike the United States. And it resulted in the Ferris family losing everything and relocating to central Texas. So uh, they settled in around the Taylor, Austin, Copeland area, Elgin area, if you're familiar with that. And my dad, who they call Sonny, and his parents and three sisters began to cotton farm. My dad dropped out of school in high school, I think his freshman year, to work on the cotton farm. And uh, he stayed there till he was 18. And when he was 18... He joined the service. World War II had started, and I can't imagine a more brave act than going to serve your country in a war. And so my dad did that. He was in the Army, First Calvary. Uh, He wouldn't talk about the war much, but I understood he served in the Philippines and everything I've read and people that I know that understand what happened over there said it was a living hell, and I can understand why he didn't want to talk about it. He was part of the group that was supposed to invade Japan, and as you know, that never happened. They dropped the atomic bomb, and the war ended, and my dad came home. While my dad was on leave from the service, uh, he began corresponding with uh, Dorothy Williams in Waco, Texas, a member of Dorothy Williams' family had told her about R.L. Ferris and Uh, He needed people to write to him, so she started writing to him. So he came home on leave and got a ride to Waco, and they fell in love. He went back, finished the war, came back. I think they had two dates, and he asked her to marry him, and uh, she did. And so uh, you know her. Those that come here know her as Dottie. I call her Mimi. used to call her mom and mother. But uh, shortly after they married, my mom... Became pregnant uh, with my brother, Mike, and uh, I don't know all the circumstances behind it, but my dad left my mom and uh, had an affair, and um, they were apart right up until she went into labor. And so my dad came to the hospital, and they got back together and were together ever since for well, I'll talk about that in a minute. So I, I was born two years later, and uh, we moved a couple of places around Texas. We were living in El Paso, and uh, my dad got an opportunity to open a barber shop in Elgin, Texas. So that's what our family looked like when we moved to Elgin. I'm the skinny one on the left there. My brother and I argue about who was the skinniest. Uh, I, I, I relish those days now. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, my, so we moved to Elgin, Texas, to give you a kind of a understanding of the size of Elgin. I had 96 kids in my graduating class. So it was a small town. And uh, how many of you know, uh, ever watched the Andy Griffith Show, remember Mayberry RFD? Well, that's where I grew up. I was Opie. I mean, I had like the ideal childhood. I had aunts and uncles and friends and the house? It was a town where you left your doors unlocked, and everybody knew everybody. And uh, and my dad, like I said, he was the town barber. Uh, that was kind of a blessing and a curse. It was good that I could go down there and see him at any time. But the, cur- the curse, the curse, that was a blessing. The curse part was anything that I ever did, he knew about it. Of somebody in the barber shop was going to tell him, "Hey, guess what Jeff did today." So uh, that was. But it was it was a great great growing up there uh we didn't have much uh, we didn't even live paycheck to paycheck because my dad was self-employed so we just lived from week to week and uh i don't think he had a checking account for a long long time i remember he had a bill full was about this thick and that's what he carried around with him all the time that's what he made change with in his barber shop and that's what we paid our rent with and and we rented a lot we lived in a small town we lived in elgin for 11 years before i left home and uh i remember the when I brought my first girlfriend home from college, that's all we did the first day was I drove her around and show her where I used to live. I used to live there. used to live there. used to live there. We lived in eight different houses in the 11 years we lived in Elgin. But uh, my dad was a good provider. Like I said, we never lacked for anything. We always had food. We always had clothes. But uh, not a lot of luxuries. Uh, you would have liked my dad if you knew him. He was fun guy, uh, always playing jokes on people. Um, just a few things come to mind. He was I remember one time we were out deer hunting and he had this little old shed that we would stay in with my uncles and uh so he killed a squirrel so he cut off part of that squirrel's tail and sewed it into the crotch of my uncle's pants. <laughs> so the next day we watched him walk around scratching himself all day. <laughs> One time, we used to fish down on the river. We'd camp out down there. Not anything like a tent or anything. We just had cots, or we'd throw a blanket on the ground. And, and uh, that was the Ferris's. And uh, so one, of my, one time we were out there camping, and we were fishing on the Colorado River, and it had real steep banks. And one of my aunts had bought a car, and it was parked up on the top of uh, the, the cliff there. So my dad snuck off up there and got in the car took the emergency brake off and lay down in the front seat where they couldn't see him and he started letting that car roll down that hill and they started going faster and faster and finally somebody noticed it and we tore the entire camp up trying to get to that car before it rolled in the river and of course when we are all screaming and hollering and running for it he sits up and just laughs at us Put the brake on my dad was fearless in several ways Uh, going to war was one of them uh But he was not afraid of snakes. How many of you are afraid of snakes? I am deadly afraid of snakes. Part of it has to do with him, though, because he's played so many jokes with us with dead snakes. So I don't understand why he would do that. One time he's coming home from work, and he killed a rattlesnake on the road, and he put it in the trunk of the car. comes in the house and says, Jeff, go out and get that flat tire out of the trunk of the car and take it by the garage in the morning. So I go out there and pop the trunk, and there's this rattlesnake laying there. He killed one one time and put it between the screen door and the front door. He laid down there on my bed there by the window by the front door late at night. And I come in from a date and I open that screen door and that snake fell out. And uh, he almost spanked me for what I said. But uh, that's the first time I called him a bad word. And the last time. But that was my dad. Um, My dad... My mom was the spiritual head of our household. Uh, my dad attended church when he was young. Uh, I don't think he was going to church when he met my mom. His attendance as we grew up going to church was sporadic. He would go to church and then he wouldn't go to church. We'd go to church every month, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We went to the little Church of Christ there in Elgin. And. Uh, And sometimes he would be involved and sometimes he wouldn't. My dad was uh, uncomfortable in front of people. I think it had to do with his lack of education. He didn't have high self-esteem. And he was terrified to get up in front of people. I can still remember feeling sorry for him. Even even as a small boy in the Church of Christ, they take communion every Sunday. And uh, he would get up to serve communion with whoever else was supposed to do it that Sunday. And. It was just very painful to watch him have to go through that. But um, that was was, was, uh, how I was raised in the Church of Christ. And I was raised with a belief that I saw in my father and what he believed is that there's a God, we have a Savior, and that God sits on his throne. He is a ruler and you better not mess up or he'll get you. And there was no understanding of God, the Father, our Heavenly Father. It was God, our Creator. So that's how I grew up, and that's what I believed for a long time. I left home went to college. My parents were both pretty athletic, and I was blessed to have some athletic ability, and that's how I could afford to go to college, on a baseball scholarship. And I did that for the first two years, and then I was injured, and... I had an uncle that was kind enough to give me a job and let me live with him, and I made enough money to finish college. And uh, so I moved to Brownwood and uh, worked in a hospital there. Uh, After a while, my parents moved to Brownwood. My mom uh, got uh, registered as a histologist, and my dad opened a shop up in Brownwood, and we lived our lives. I got married, had two sons, and um, then something happened to my dad. I, I don't know to this day what it was, uh, but he just kind of disappeared from us in life. He lived with my mom, but they didn't really have a relationship, and he didn't want anything to do with me and my family. It's not that he would run away if we went over. He just had nothing to say. And when I went by his shop, he didn't want anything to do with me. He had developed this whole other circle of friends. Wouldn't go to church. Uh, even people that I went to church with would say, what's wrong with your dad? I went in there and he was mad at me. So we never, never knew what happened to him. He, uh, I was working in a hospital and I got a call saying your dad's having chest pain. So I sent an ambulance after him and I met him in the emergency room and they brought him in and took him into a room and I went in there with him and he was in a lot of pain. I was holding his hand and he was saying, don't go, don't leave me, don't don't leave me. And I'm not a cardiologist, but I could see his EKG was abnormal. And about two or three minutes after they got him in there and hooked him up, uh, he died. So to this day, we don't know what it was in his life that caused him to change the way that he did. But, uh, again, I remember him as a good father, but not as a perfect father, just like none of us are perfect. and we'll talk about that. So I wanna illu- I want to use these, this next uh, couple of uh, pictures or video to illustrate something. So look at these cats. Look at that big cat, his arms around the other one. Just you can tell they're comfortable, great environment. You know it has all the appearance that that one is just taking care of the other one and it's just in total comfort and peace. And then there's this cat,
0: Pinky, Pet of the Week. Pinky. Hi, this is Pinky. He's a Hold on. Go. This is Pinky. He's a male cat, domestic short hair. He's available for adoption. He's Pet of the Week, Placer County Animal Show. He's a very loving cat. Pinky. <laughs> Pinky. Pinky, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, we got a wildcat on our hands. Pinky, settle down, bud. Mm-hmm. Careful, Colton. I okay. oh, I get a catch pole. Somebody get a catch pole. Pinky. No. Uh, get a catch pole. <laughs> catch again? Yeah, because yeah, I'm not going to grab him. here. Dude. I can start up in there? Just, yeah, yeah. just connect it from the deck. Ah!
1: Ah!
0: You got in the back? Ah, bitch. Use my language.
1: Oh, there's these cats. And then there's Pinky, Pet of the Week. You know, I don't know what your dad was like. I know what mine was. You look at these two cats and you wonder, well, why are those cats like they are? Well, why are, why are we like we are? Why was your dad like he was? Why, why were you the father you were like? You know, the good cats, life's good. Caring, peaceful, then Pinky. Well, (laughs) Pinky was angry. He was aggressive. He was fearful. And you could see that act out in his life. And uh, I would propose that uh, that's really what happens to us in life. We'll talk about why we act the way we do. But, you know, I don't know what kind of father your dad was. uh, If he was a cool cat or not. But uh, I did a survey, I sent an email out to 50 people last week, and uh, I asked them to respond back with just a few words about, that would describe their father. So I got back uh, what I thought I would get back. Loving, mentor, a hard worker, a drunk, my best friend, funniest guy, My hero, brave, brilliant, always there for me, the perfect father, a coward, selfish, a great role model, giving, absent, supportive, angry, my coach, a godly man, a teacher, provider, a protector, a good listener a compass, someone to guide me. When I read that, I probably had the same emotions that some of you had when you saw those words come up there on the screen. Some people hear the word Father, and it's only positive memories that come to them. And other people hear the word Father, and it's not such a positive memory for for them. But I want to talk to you about that today, and this message is really for people that are struggling with the relationship they had with their father or didn't have. It's for more people than that, but I think it's specifically for those people. The biblical earthly father characteristics, uh, if you go through the Bible and the Hebrew word for father is strong leader, as provider protector, counselor. All these things are in the Scripture that talk about this is what a father should be. A teacher, a good husband, a good son, a role model, Christ-like, encourager, disciplinarian. My dad was a disciplinarian. He was, uh, as I said, a set of barber. So back then, barbers, in addition to cutting your hair, they did shave, shave it with a straight razor. So, uh, you know how you sharpen a straight razor? You sharpen it with a leather strap. And so that's what my dad whipped us with. He never beat us. But if you've ever seen a razor strap, it's three thin pieces of leather about this long all tied together. And when you swing it through the air, it sounds like a gun going off when it hits you. So we would get those spankings like you got where you go around the tree, you know. And... uh, so I got plenty of spankings, and I deserved most of them. The two that stand out were, I got in a fight at church one time and tore the preacher's son's dress pants. He was arrogant, obnoxious kid. and uh, But he was the preacher's kid, so my dad had to discipline me. So when he got home, I remember he said, I want to spank you, boy, go to your room. So I went in there, and I waited a long time. And he come in there and shut the door, and he said, you better scream bloody murder. So he took that razor strap, and just tapped me on the butt, said, I'm glad you did that. <laughs> but then the other spanking that stands out, which is, I still think, unfair, I think they overreacted. I've shared this before here, I think, but he uh, used to skateboard down the hallway in our house and uh, hit mark up the wax floor, and my mom said, I'm going to spank you the next time you do that. I lost track of time. I'd still skate down, skateboard down the hallway, but you could get a wet towel and mark up the streaks and get away with it. So I forgot. lost track of time. I'm going down the hallway, skateboard into the living room, and there's my mom getting out of the car. So I think I must have thought if I scare her bad enough, she won't spank me. So I got ketchup out of the refrigerator, squirted it on the floor, laid down, put my head in it, and turned the skateboard over sideways. And... Uh, So my mom came to the door, and it did scare her. I mean, she let out a bloody yell, and I jumped up and said, Mom, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And she wore me out. (laughs) Then when my dad came home, he really wore me out. They sent me to my room, and no supper. I heard them late that evening talking, and I heard my mom coming down the hallway, and I'm thinking, by then, you know, I've completely decided they've overreacted and been completely unfair, and I hear her coming, and I know she's coming and there, apologized to me. She opened that door and said, Get out of that bed, Jeffrey Lee, I'm going to spank you again. <laughs> Three spankings. Disciplinarian, forgiver, all of those are characteristics, and you could make a much longer list of when God created man and he created a father, These are the scriptures that tell us this is what a earthly father should be like. And you look at that and some of you may say, yep, that was my dad. And some of you may say, my dad wasn't quite like that. When I looked at that list of uh, what the respondents to my email gave me, there was that list of good characteristics. And a lot of those lined up with what God's word said, this is how a earthly father should be. But some of them didn't. And uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. In Genesis 1, verse 26 through 27, it talks about God creating Adam and Eve. In verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of man, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God also told them to be fruitful and multiply. So when God made... Adam and Eve the first man and woman he also made the first father and mother and just as he had a plan for Adam and Eve as husband and wife or partners I guess you got married then um, he also had a plan for how they were supposed to be um, mothers and fathers and I'm sure it was a perfect plan I'm sure it was to be exactly like that list that I had up there before so, why isn't it? Why are we not perfect fathers? Why are we not perfect people? Why wasn't my dad perfect? Or why did some of the respondents in that email have bad memories of their dad, things he may have said or done to them? Well, there's another father that's listed in the Bible. It's called the Father of Lies. He goes by the name of Satan. You know, Satan was an angel. Scripture says that he was a worship leader in heaven. When you read about what Satan looked like, he actually was a a spiritual instrument of worship. He became prideful. He wanted to be God, and he rebelled against God. It says one-third of the angels in heaven rose up in rebellion against God, and they lost, and they were cast out of heaven so he shows up on earth and you know the story of satan tempting eve and they both fall for it adam and eve and that's when sin was brought in the world the plan that satan had then and the plan that he has now it's a plan for each of us for our families for our churches for the world a plan for each father in this world and that plan is it goes along with who He is. He's a murderer, a thief, and He's a liar, and He's a destroyer. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. Um, and they don't like what He's saying. So they rise up against Him. And this is what He said to them. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan's desire is to kill, steal, and destroy. And in 1 Peter 5.8, Peter warns us, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And who do lions eat? Lions eat the sick. Lions eat the weak. And lions eat the prideful, those that decide they don't need to be in the bunch. You watch any National Geographic or educational show about lions, and you don't see them take on the biggest bull and the herd. You don't see them rush into the middle and trying to take down an animal. They look for the ones that wander off by themselves, that get away and become defenseless, and those are the ones that they eat. When I look back on my father's life and on mine as well, which I'll talk about in a minute, I really believe it's when my father kind of got away from us, got away from what he knew the truth to be, that that's when life became so difficult for him and that's when he began to act the way he acted. When you think about your earthly father and some of the struggles he had and some of the struggles that you have, think about the fact that you have an enemy. And as I said earlier, his his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. And if an enemy wants to destroy a family, what do you think would be the first individual he would want to destroy in that group? It would be the father, would it not? So when you think about being a father, I think you have to think very closely about the responsibility that comes with that. And as it says in the scripture, be alert, be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let's look at the earthly father characteristics that I read a while ago and compare those to the characteristics of the father of lies quite a difference isn't it what God's word lays out for us and what a father's responsibilities should be and what the father of lies goals are for us as fathers and for all of us for that matter are completely opposite of each other I know from talking to a number of people, and when Sean and I were youth pastors here, we got to minister to a lot of kids. At one time, we had almost 100 kids come to the church, and they weren't what you might think of when you think about a youth group at a church. We didn't have the athletes or the cheerleaders or the popular kids. We had the ones that were rejected. And it was heartbreaking to hear the stories of those kids, how they were abandoned or what their fathers said to them or done <coughs> are done to them, the pain that had been inflicted upon them, and I could see even later in life, because Miriam Mark grew, you can see the destruction that that has taken place in their life because of what their fathers may have said or done to them. As I said earlier. My, my father and, and I as well at the time, for a long time, didn't understand the power of a Heavenly Father and the power of the Holy Spirit that, he, that now lives in us when we accept Christ as our Savior. And coming to this church, and before I came to this church, a church like this, I began to understand that, that when things happen to us, when we are weak, when we fall or fail, that it's important that we recognize that we have the power to overcome that, not on our own personal strength, but through what we've gained as being a Christian and coming to know a Heavenly Father, not God Almighty, although He is, but God, our Heavenly Father, who loves for us and cares for us. And I, come to un- and I came to understand the power of God's Word and not just God's Word, the power of the spoken Word. If you've been to this church for any length of time, you've heard our pastor teach on the power of words. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In other words, be careful what you say, because words are powerful. Our pastor uses this phrase a lot. Bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness are the poisons we mix for others, but drink ourselves. So I want to really focus on this right now as part of this conversation we're having, although it's one-sided, and talk about the power of forgiveness and the damage that can be done by holding on to bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. Being that it's Father's Day and fathers are at the forefront of our mind, I've seen firsthand what happens to individuals who have not been able to get past the experience they have with their father and they hold this bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and it just holds them down in life, it holds them back and it
0: weighs them down and
1: keeps them from being who God created them to be but I've also learned that we can take authority over things like that and I want to do that right now so if you bow your head right now, I want to lead you in a prayer of forgiveness and a breaking of anything that may have be a hold in your life from something your Father did or didn't do or or said or didn't say. The Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you as believers lifting up ourselves, lifting up our bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness, and we ask you to take it from us. We just release it We ask You to remove it as far as the east is from the west. Our fathers are not perfect. We know that there were times they did things they shouldn't have done or said things they shouldn't have said. So we forgive them for that, Father. We release that that no longer has a hold over us. In Jesus' name. Just do your hands like this. Just let it go. It's gone. You no longer have to carry that around with you. Amen? Oh, you can do better than that. Amen? So now let's switch and talk about a heavenly father. In John chapter 14, Christ is wrapping up his work here on earth. He's uh, headed home. And he has shared that with his disciples. They don't fully understand it, but they get that he's going away. So, Thomas, his disciple, one of his disciples said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? I mean, you're going. we got to find out where you're at. We've got to follow you. Still not understanding what's going to happen to him. And Jesus answered and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Christ was saying that. You don't have to worry that I'm not going to be here because you have seen the Father because you saw me. And since you saw how I lived and you heard what I said, you're not alone. And we also know that the promise of the Holy Spirit that was made came to pass and when Christ ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit came down and lives among us and within us. When I remember the definition of the Hebrew definition for father is strong leader and when I think about a strong leader, I can't think of, of course, thinking about the Lord, I can't think of a better way that describes him than Psalms 23. You all know it, but let's just, just read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I mean, a shepherd led his sheep and he took care of them like they were his children. And they needed to be. Sheep are dumb. Uh, we definitely need a heavenly father. We need an earthly father. Uh, but as, I, as we said several times, our earthly fathers are not perfect. But God, our heavenly father, is perfect. When you look in the Bible about what are the characteristics of of God. There are way too many to list here, but I've listed a few. He's a creator, a redeemer, a savior, a protector,
0: a deliverer,
1: a healer, a friend. He's our strength, our counselor, our teacher, our helper. He blesses. You compare that to the characteristics of the father of lies, and clearly they each have a different plan for our life. You compare the earthly father to our heavenly father, and in many ways, you can see that when God put that position of an earthly father in place, it was the idea that that earthly father would be a reflection of the character of God. Now, your earthly father couldn't do everything that your heavenly father can do. Uh, he can't redeem you, he can't save you, he can't save you spiritually. He can. Pray for you to be healed, but he can't heal you. God can use him to pray a healing prayer over you, but it's the power of God that could heal you. Your Father can bless you, your earthly Father can bless you, not in the same way that your heavenly Father can bless you. And you know, I didn't say this in the first service, but that word friend sticks out. You know, I didn't put that on the earthly father's side, and there was a reason why I didn't do that. You see, a lot of parents make the mistake of trying to be friends with their kids. I'm not saying that you can't be friends with your kids, but a lot of them give up the authority of being their parent to be their friend. So just a little sidebar here. As parents that have kids out there today, don't allow yourself to give up your parental position to be friends with your kids. You see that mistake made very often. So, anyway, back on track. So, blesses, our Heavenly Father blesses.
0: Uh, Your earthly father
1: cannot be your Heavenly Father. Luke 4.29 says, And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Knew you not that I must be about my father's business? So, uh, try to use this scripture to... Introduce accountability into uh, each one of our lives, and as fathers, into into your life, and hold you accountable that uh, that you raise your kids up according to God's word. But at some point, they have to make a decision to go about doing the Heavenly Father's business, and you individually have to make that decision yourself. You can't you can't be saved by your parents being saved you can't not be saved by blaming your parents for not being perfect at some point in your life and all of our lives we're given the opportunity to make a decision as to whether or not we're going to go about doing our father's business or not and I don't know if you've made that decision or not I don't know if you've made that decision or not but You have that opportunity to do that today, to go about doing the Father's business, both as a father and both as a child of God. Make sense? So what can separate us from our Heavenly Father? Romans 8.35 says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, Will not having a perfect Father separate us from our Heavenly Father? It will not. You cannot look to the past and use that as an excuse for not being who you were created to be. I do this often, but hold up your hands and look at it. You know, when you look at your hands, there's not another set of hands like this. Hasn't ever been and never will be. Nobody has these fingerprints. You are unique. And you were created to do something unique. I don't know what that is, but God does. Your dad didn't know what it was, but God does. So don't let the mistakes of your father and don't let the mistakes that you've made keep you from moving forward with who you should be, who you were created to be, doing what you were created to do. Another thing that I've learned coming to understand God the Father as opposed to God Almighty. Again, he's both. But as God the Father, you see over and over in God's Word the power of a father blessing his children. Yeah. And it's fortunate that we go to a church because our pastor, and I'll ask J.P. to do this at the end of our service today, our pastor prays this prayer over us almost at the end of every service. And I don't know if you fully understand the power of him doing that in numbers there's a prayer of blessing that says the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace when our pastor prays that over us he is praying a blessing over us and remember the power of words what a more nothing more powerful than someone blessing you And all through the Scripture, there's accounts of fathers blessing their children and seeing that blessing carried out in their life. Make sense? So we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. So are you the father you want to be? I think we all, if we're honest with ourselves, would say that we could be better at being a father. You know what? talked earlier about why why was our fathers not perfect, and we talked about the environment they were in, and we talked about Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy us, and he looks for those that are weak, are prideful, uh, those that get separated all by themselves. And I mentioned that I was a lot like my dad in many ways. Well, that extended to my first marriage. That extended to... uh, My first attempt at being a father, uh, I too, in my first marriage, stopped attending church. I got way out of bounds. I did things that were unspeakable. And as a result of that, uh, I ended up getting divorced. If you meet my sons, and I hope you do, uh, as many of you have, uh, their names are Brian and... Wes is the oldest, he's 38, and Brian is 36, so they will be in the next month or two. And when I introduce you to them, I'll introduce you to them as Wes Clark and Brian Clark. So they have a different last name from me. So it's, it's embarrassing, actually. It's uncomfortable when you introduce your sons by birth as a different last name. But... You know, I, I I could understand when I look back at how I lived my life then, why, and there were a lot of other circumstances, wasn't it? I was just so terrible. Although there was, there were issues as a result of my way I lived my life that uh, they really wanted to take another man's last name, so they now have that.
0: I have a loving
1: relationship with them, but when I look back on how I lived my life then and the God that I knew then as God Almighty and God the Heavenly Father and not understanding the Holy Spirit that was available to me and then look back at what my life is like today having that understanding and trying to be a father knowing that I have a Heavenly Father and trying to be a father knowing that I have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me made all the difference in the world in how I could be a father how well, I could be a husband, how I could be a true believer of Christ. And being, living a life being led by the Holy Spirit is the most exciting thing you could ever do. Trying to be a father being led by the Holy Spirit, you, I can't think of a better way to do it. I try to do it without that, and I try to do it with it. And I'm a living testimony that knowing and having a relationship with the Heavenly Father and having an understanding of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you wants to speak to you and guide you and direct you in how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to, be, how you're, how to live your life, although I'm far from being perfect and there's people I work with here that can testify to that. But uh, I want to close by just uh, reminding you that God loves us unconditionally. And there's nothing that you can say or do that can separate you from the love of Christ. The only thing that you can do is just to refuse to accept Him. He will not force Himself on you. But you ask and He is there for you. So when Joshua was ready to lay down his leadership for the Israelite uh, nation when they came into the Promised Land, He had a long speech. I encourage you to read it. It's very powerful. But he does at the end. But if you don't want to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Even if you choose the gods your ancestors served on the other side of the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, my family and I will serve the Lord. So to the fathers that are out there today, I challenge you. Consider making that statement to your family and to yourself that your family will serve the Lord. Choose this day. Choose this day what kind of father you want to be. Choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day to extend and ask for forgiveness. And choose this day to pray a blessing over your household. Every father that's in here today, do not let today get away that you don't pray a blessing over your children. Even if you have to call them on the phone to say, hey. And when I say play a blessing, I know some people are not comfortable praying. Some people, hey, I don't know exactly what to say. Well, you can go on the Internet and print something out and read it, or it can be something as simple as, hey, I just want to let you. I'm just telling you that I want to bless you and that I love you and I uh, love you unconditionally and I'm there for you. I mean, God will put the words in your mouth. You pray and ask Him to do it, and He will be faithful to do that. So don't miss that opportunity to do that. I appreciate your attention. You've been very attentive. You laughed at all the right times. So. J.T., I'll turn it
0: over to you. Thank you so much, Brother Jeff. There's something about when a brother or sister of the Lord get in here and, and open up and uh, share intimate details. It makes us all feel like maybe we're not so bad. Uh, Our Heavenly Father is a forgiving Father. For uh, all you dads out here, bless your kids today. Take this day. Enjoy it. And uh, I pray special blessings on each and every individual here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine down upon you, be gracious to you. May He lift His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Thank you for being here today. Go in peace. God bless you.